it's magical for real. The art of nonconformity, of accepting the journey, the yearning to move slow, the ability to move slow in such a fast-paced world. It's magical for real. Being able to step out of line and into your own mind and exist there. Imperatives and double-crossing narratives are at resist there, but with acceptance and love. It's magical for real. Being able to control the way you feel, being able to mold the way you heal, because everything is everything. And knowledge is infinite, so everything is every being. Energy never dies. And to conform is to subside, and it ain't no magic in that. It ain't no rabbits and hats. It ain't no oohs and ahs. You need vibrations, meditations, tapping into self and pulling out creations. It's magical. And you got to be aligned because it's tactical. So be still. Study hard and refill, regroup, redo everything they told you to and make your own habits different. It's magical. House of a Bass. I'm Ronnie Adams. And I'm Jacob Casas. And we have Jan Gales here. And this episode is called Poetic Fit. Hey, y'all. Happy to be here. Good to have you. So you had to drop that poem on us. Yeah. And that was, uh, what is, it was called Magical for Reals. Yeah, it's, it's called it? um, The Art of Nonconformity. Okay. The Art of Nonconformity. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, howler in that whole thing. Yeah. So this is our first female guest we've had, our first mm-hmm. woman. And um, we wanted to show, too, that women are howlers in their own way. Uh, men are howlers. They have to be a different form of howlers, and a woman has to be a different form of a howler. And that whole poem just said who she was. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, what do you have for her, Ronnie? I know you wanted to ask her. Well, first of all, I just want to know a little bit. I want everyone to know a little bit about Jan. Mm-hmm. And um, if you like, you would t- can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I'm a poet. That's where my heart lies. Um, but aside from just being a poet, I'm a writer. I write anything from documentaries, commercials, songs, music. I'm in the music industry. Like I do a lot of writing. Um, I'm also very athletic. I was one of the top long jumpers in the world at a point in time before I gave up that career to pursue my writing career. Um, I come from a huge family, so I got a lot of experience uh, with just personalities, and a lot of that helped shape who I am today. I'm the seventh of nine, so a lot of mistakes I didn't have to make, you know, because I was able to see my older siblings or my parents make them, and it's just like, learn from that and a lot of what that poem was came from that because you know conformity I don't have to be like y'all or I don't have to do what y'all do I can go my own route and my family also has taught me that in a lot of different ways so I feel like that poem really resonate a lot with who I am just in general because I'm not going to conform <laughs> in any way <laughs> okay so when you say go that way mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about not conforming into that way explain what you mean when you say um, going into that way okay so in the sense of siblings we're not all the same although we grew up under the same household with the same parents we're not all the same and i have two siblings right above me who when we were younger they made horrible decisions and for example i had a my high school coach my first coach ever when he found out who i was he was like gales dang, I'm going to have a hard time with you based off of who my sister was, just mm-hmm. off of that. She was in school fighting all the time. And then I was like, nah, not even. And I became literally one of his best athletes. And he just like that being a prime example of what Clint I mean by, yeah, like I don't have to be that or that doesn't have to be me. I'm not going to conform just because my sister was out here thugging stuff out. I don't got to do that. I'm out here to be an athlete. I'm out here to be a scholar. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And. You know, so right. I think about that often. And some, par- and some parents try to conform them ch- their children into the same thing. This is what I want my children to be. This is what I want my children to do. Yeah. You know, and their expectations yeah. are, you know, this is what I want from my child. Right, right, right. Um, I feel like with my parents, because there were so many of us, and by the time it got to me, that was out the picture. It was just like, be you. 
like again because they learn from the yeah everybody's gonna be their own person like my parents tell you now none of my kids are really exactly the same everybody follow their own path everybody do their own thing and i think that's something that they love about us yeah so so most of your siblings are a lot they're not they might not be the same as you guys are together but you guys are all you guys all do your own thing yeah but you you feel like it it sets you apart from the rest of the world like even even your siblings they all have that same passion about things or do you feel like you definitely apart? no we're all like moralistically we're we all come from like i said the same parents so when it comes to who we are to the root of things we're all very much alike but character wise and what what we're into things like that that's where we differ like i'm probably the, we're all athletes but i'm probably the only one who pursued my athletic career as far as i did we're all very much musicians artists and I can't say I'm the only one who pursued my art, my artistic career as far as I did because we've all done some things, you know. But character-wise, we're all very different. So your parents were they into that art? They had that craft? Were they creative? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They were. Um, my yeah. mother is a writer, and my father is a writer. He's very into music. A lot of the music that I grew up on, like growing up, it was never really, you know, hardcore rap. It was all '80s. Like yeah. 70s, yeah. 60s, old school music where my dad would sit there and be like, hey, you hear what they're saying? Do you understand the lyrics and what that means? And I feel like that shaped a lot of who I am today when it comes to writing because I'm a very in-depth writer just because since I was, let's say, five, I've been listening to what what does this mean? What are you saying? You know? And as a writer, you put, I mean, we all know writers put a lot of passion and mm-hmm. emotion into what they're writing. Yeah. You're like on a whole different like wavelength of how mm-hmm. things are done creatively. Yeah, yeah. Because you're putting your heart and soul into that. Right. So how how is that is that how you are? Like you're a very emotional person or more like what kind of person are you on? There? I'm an empath. What, an empath? Yeah, I'm I'm an empath, meaning like based off of what's around me, I can feel it entirely. Like if you come and you got a bad vibe on you, I'm like, mm. Mm, if you somebody close to me, I'm not gonna be like, mm, I'm gonna be like, yo, you good? That's crazy because I I feel like I'm a lot like that too. Yeah. I mean, both of us probably like right. that, but um, that's not an easy uh, an easy skill to have. Yeah. Either because no. I use it in business. Mm-hmm. I use it in everything I do. Yeah. How I deal with people and things like that. Right. So that's crazy. Do yeah. you feel like that that is a gift? And it comes from your creator or what you believe that's inside of you that helps you with that type of energy? Yeah, I do believe it is very much a gift. But at the same time, you know, too much of anything is a bad thing. So, for example, if I can't control it or if I'm in a relationship with somebody who I care about a lot and their energy is just negative, 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 although I do feel it, I might be blinded by the sense of love, which I have been in in a lot of cases. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't be here knowingly because I can feel it being an empath, but I don't really care because this is what I want. And so sometimes it's really, it really, it really just boils down to discernment and being able to discern different things. So, so in Hells Over Bads, like we talk a lot about like, you know, a selective things that, that we feel makes a howler, like a strong person, a mm-hmm. person that's like a leader and, and, we, and, God, and being a, a, a God fearing person. Is, is on is on the top of our list. How how, how are you with that? How do, how do you how, what does that affect you as God in your life for that? How does that affect you and your, what you do? Yeah, so I'm a strong believer. Like I feel like there's not much you can do if you don't understand who God is. And a lot of people, you know, have their own gods, have their own beliefs of God, have their own visualiz- visualizations of who God is or what God is. I feel like if you can't really believe or better yet know you probably ain't going to get too far anywhere. And I feel like with the concept howls over bads, a lot of bads, if you ask somebody, they probably be like, oh, I don't know, or I don't really care, or just, you know, leave it at that, not even want to go in-depth with it. But a howler going to tell you, no, I know it's up immediately. Like, there is no questioning because I know. Right. You know? Yeah, and that's... um. That's hard for other people that, honestly, you know, the, the world is filled by bads. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's hard to even relate with somebody on that level. Right. You know what I mean? Because they, they don't, they like you said, most of them are not going to care. Yeah. Because they're right there in the mix with them. Mm-hmm. So they ain't, they ain't going to see past that. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of creative people can see that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, even because even, we had a business, and you kind of look at that a little differently if you think about it now. The last guest we had in was a business owner. Right. But he, and, and he, we're not going to even, he's not going to even get close to how a, a creative person like you are, right? Yeah. But they could still see that same line in the sand of a Howler and a Baz. Right. But it's two different perspectives of it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's kind of cool if you really think about it. Definitely. Because we're building it at the same time. And, and kind of like the, the guests are kind of showing us what they are in their world. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of cool to see the different perspectives. Like like for you, this would be, what would a, a Baz woman be to you in your, in your way of looking at it? So I've been actually having this conversation with a lot of people. And when I think of a Baz woman, especially with how big social media is, it's 2023, like social media podcasts, for example, you hear a lot of women going on there and it's just like, you know, if you're my man, you have to do this and you have to do that and I don't have to do nothing. To me, that's a Baz. A lot of of people will be thinking it's a Baz B, but you're a Baz. You don't want to do nothing with your life. You just want to be dependent solely on this man for everything that you have going on. You don't have any goals. You don't have any morals. You really just think that this is what life is and and that's it for you. You you a bass to me. Yeah. Me and Ronnie were actually talking about this. So, Today. Yeah. So so <laughs> that's another thing. Um, you see a lot of these podcasts, too, where these guys are really, like, trying to just d- destroy the women in a different way. Like, a lot of these guys, I mean, yeah, they're going to say, well, if a girl that has her own career, a woman has her own career, that doesn't, doesn't mean nothing to them. Because mm-hmm. it's not their money, it's not their stuff. You know right. what I mean? That we, we, we make our own money and we do that. But I don't want some airhead woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why would you want that? Like, you want a creative woman, a woman that's going to still have her own stuff, but she she has your back, too. Right. Like, I don't agree with that situation of having just some airhead yeah. right by your side. Right. You know, it, it doesn't seem like anything good to me. Yeah. Like, there's no substance there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those guys are, I mean, we were talking about that today. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean we were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, everybody has a place in a relationship. And if you don't come with nothing, then you're out of place. You must know uh, your role, you know, as a man, and you must know your role as a woman uh, in the home, you know, because there's a lot of uh, responsibility in the home, there's a lot of a lot of responsibility in the relationship. But they're just equals as important. Huh? Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. You know, there's no big eyes and little U's when it comes to relationship because everybody has to play a, a genuine part in that relationship. And most of the time, that people think that you know, I'm just here. Like you know, a lot of women like they say, "Well, I'm just here." You know, I'm just here. He takes mm-hmm. care of me. He's doing everything. I just look pretty. Yeah. Right. But, Take me now. You know? Yeah. And, and a lot of women got to be careful with that, you know, because if if uh, a man sees that and he acknowledges that in his being. He'll take advantage. He'll take advantage of that. Yeah. My know? brother and I were actually talking about that earlier today as well. But it also is a mindset that men have. Like, a lot of men will like to prey on weaker women who are like that because it gives them a sense of masculinity. And, and, oh, I can control this situation because I can control this woman. Right. Yeah. And I was also telling my friend, I was saying, you know, there's no problem with a man taking care of a woman. But I don't think that's how you should go into a relationship. Oh, I'm just going to take care of you, period. Right. I feel like that's something that you earn. You saw that she's willing to hold her own. She's willing to do whatever it takes to at, at least make sure you guys are good as well. Right. If you actually get to the point where you're like, yo, babe, I don't want you to do anything. I really want you to focus on your creativity or your craft or whatever you love doing, then that makes sense to me. But for you to jump into a relationship with somebody that you don't even know that well and be like, you got to take care of me, that blows my mind. Yeah, and I think that way, too, about the whole male side of things. I think a man that wants to control a woman, like complete control, it just seems ridiculous to Mm -hmm. me because I don't think that – that you should even want a woman like that. Right. I mean, what 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 is that? A toy then, really? A lot of those mm-hmm. are cheaters. Yeah, they are. A lot of those mm-hmm. are cheaters because they feel like this woman ain't going to go nowhere because I'm giving her everything that she yeah. wants and everything that she needs. So at the end of the day, you know, if she does leave, she leaves with nothing, mm-hmm. you know, because if he cheats, he, she's thinking about her security and her security is that bag and most of the time nine ten times out of ten the security for women is the bag yeah. 
yeah. you know they they lose their morals they lose their ability to uh be great and be a howler you know while he's howling you know because they want to uh, just be taken care of well i mean even in, even in like we talked part of the pack mm-hmm. wolves i mean the, the woman is a major protector of her cubs. Hundred percent. Like, like she's they're more vicious. Yeah. When it comes down to that. Right. So I mean, even if you t- we were talking about that, if if you look at that like real instinct, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. So you can't just look at a woman as they're nothing. They're just going to be there sitting on the sideline the whole right. time. But another question: mm-hmm. What is a Baz man to you? What, how, what do you look <laughs> at when you hear that's a Baz? That um, dude is a Baz. And- Love again. Um, a howl man to me would be someone who understands who he is first. And if you ask him, he has a very confident answer and not even just an answer, but he's going to show you. Um, passionate about something and is going to stand on that. Um, very vocal. Because uh, I can't even just say very vocal because that's very vague. Um, he can be vocal in silence, though. Exactly. You just know yeah. what he's saying, what he's saying, what right. he wants. Like, it's mainly confidence. A lot of people who, to me, confidence is such a. Um, it's such a term that a lot of people look over because you'll look at someone and be, and be like, hey, you know, they seem confident, but a lot of times it's like, yo, no, you're con- you seem confident because you hide in insecurities. But someone who doesn't care to be judged by other people because they actually are confident in who they are and don't necessarily go around judging everyone else because that don't really matter. They really focused on what they're doing and their family and their structure and their life and things like that. But a real howler can see that they're covering that up from their insecurities. Exactly. Easily, too. Exactly. Even women howlers. Exactly. They can see that real simple. Yeah. Like how you mentioned um, Baz- Bazman. Um, how they want the control. To me, that right there is already telling me that you a bass. Right. Immediately. Like, what do you mean you want to control anyone? Right. That's... Especially when you're trying to, like, like in a sense, force it all the time. Like, like we're going to sit here and talk about how much control I mm-hmm. want. That's lame to me. Yeah. Like, like what are you doing? Dude? Right. Like, there's nothing cool about you to do that. And you see a lot of these people doing, doing podcasts talking about mm-hmm. that. You can tell that they were major bazes before they got money. In a sense, we look at them still as bazes. But now they got money, so they're looking at it like they're trying to show, hey, I'm trying to push my weight around. And bash women. Yeah, and bash Mm -hmm. women like crazy, though. It'd be different if they were just, because all they want to bring is airheads on the air. That's all they want to do, and just bash them. Mm-hmm. Why are they not bringing strong women up there? That's they intimidate it. And why? And why? Why you have to shut them down as soon as you don't like what they're saying and kick them off the air? Right. You know, what I mean, they kick them off. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there's no, there's no strength about you doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing strong about you. You know what I mean? They have good points. A lot of these guys will have some good points. Definitely. But but it's not like okay, you're bringing those kind of girls in at all times. Why you not bring a howler in? And select the see that's what they have to say. They feel intimidated. Yeah, sense. That's why with us, we're like we're not, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to bring okay, let's bring howler females on here, and that's what we kept talking about. What we wanted to do, yeah, because I feel like um, the world needs to hear you guys' voice too. Because mm-hmm. not men, not just men are howlers. You know, this what I mean? is very true. And see, that already shows you the difference between a howl and a bass because. <laughs> Anybody who understand that is already like you giving respect where it's due. Right, definitely. I do want to get more back into who you are. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple questions that I want to ask uh, back to your business. Mm-hmm. You said you write music. Who have you wrote music for? If you don't mind us asking. Um. So I've written. I do a lot of small projects. Let's say that. Um. My my producer is a very big producer. So. He'll bring me in on projects that he works on. Um, his name's Nobbian, Grammy-nominated. Um, I have another friend. Her name is Sick. She works. She's one of Eric Bellinger's assistants. And Who, who, who is that? Uh, her name is Six, and she's one of Eric Bellinger's assistants. Shout out to Eric Bellinger. All right. So I work a lot with their teams. Um, oh, excuse me. I, look, I work a lot with their teams. I work with people who are in the i.e. I believe a lot in lateral movement because a lot of people try to jump steps and it's like, you know, it's so much you can do with the people around you that everybody wants to just jump steps and, hey, I want to work with Beyonce. Why? When you can be the busboy. 
it right. makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I really try to help put the community on and like, hey, we can build together. But sometimes a lot of people don't have the same mentality because they're so focused on, yo, I'm just trying to I'm trying to get to the, to the Grammys. Right. And like you probably won't with that mentality. It's steps and levels. Exactly. And you can't you can't skip steps. And see, I, I like that that you're even saying that because that, that's not even even with a lot of people in general, that's hard for them to see that. Mm. I mean, even with me, it was hard for me to see that. And then I realized, hey, we don't need to go to the top. Right. You know, you know what I mean? You're going to get there eventually. Yeah. Work with the people around you. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that all about you. So yeah. growing up. How did you know that you were that creative? I, I know you said it started at five years old mm-hmm. when you recognized that, you know, something was different, something was special about yeah. how you uh, listen to music. Was that your dream from when you were five? You know, I often think about that. Like, I sit back and I'm like, hey, is, is this always what I wanted? Because I always remember being an athlete. Just as much as my dad instilled writing or understanding words and speech in me he also has been i guess my first trainer everybody told me i came out the i came out the womb with a six-pack and ever since then i was doing one-hand push-ups at five years old so a lot of times i really don't know if writing or being a speaker or a poet or a writer has always been my passion but i know it was something that i've always done and maybe i just didn't understand passion the way that I do now but looking back it's like yeah it's something that I've always been passionate about but was it what I've always wanted to do I'm not I'm not really sure but I'm grateful that I'm here with it now yeah. <laughs> I'm very grateful <laughs> and what do you want to do with that what do you, what are you looking to because you're, you're in the mix of it right now you're, mm-hmm. you so what are you doing with your poetry you can tell everybody what you're doing yeah so um can I say that <laughs> hold on can I say that I think I can say that. So we're about to go on tour. And I feel like this is uh, something big for me because three years ago, I said I was going to go on tour. And it was nothing that was actually confirmed. It was nothing that I had a whole team behind me. And it was like, oh, we're going to do this. My poetry blew up crazy. And I said, I'm going around the United States and I'm about to share my poetry with everybody who rock with me. So I was going on tour. I didn't. I did not care if it was headlining. Da, 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 da. No, I'm going on tour. I'm going to hit all these spots that all of my um, supporters are at, and that's going to be tour for me. But COVID happened, so I didn't go on tour. Now I'm actually going on tour with a whole team, and nice. uh, it's called Trap Poetry Jam. Uh, we do, we do we have a show actually on the 22nd. That's what I was talking about um, here in LA, and then. Can I drop dates? I don't know if I can really drop dates. But we got some other dates out of, um, not out of California, but out of this area. And then from there on, so on and so forth. So um, that's something that I feel like is really big. And it's just like, I knew that I was going to do that. There was no doubt in my mind. That's actually why I, a lot of the reason why I stopped training in track. Because it was like, hey, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. It, once I feel it, once I see it. That's what it is. There's no questioning it. Well, congratulations, because that sounds like a big step. Yeah. That sounds exciting. I'm because excited. Because you're doing your passion, and you get to share it with people. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. And you got supporters backing you up. For sure. And I love them. I love everybody who supports me. So who is your biggest supporters right now? My biggest supporters right now are definitely my mom and my siblings, my dad as well. My dad, my dad's a really big supporter as well. I don't know. I just said my mom, my siblings, my family, my immediate family. That's good. Very big supporters. And to me, that's a lot of people because not everyone can say I got nine siblings. That's nine uh-huh. people who right now. And like, yo, everybody supports. Exactly. Whoa. Who, yo, you good? You need anything? Okay, we got you. We Even if we like can't that. make it, we we got you. Yeah. Like, How important is that to you? That's super important. I don't think I, I would be as far as I am today without that. I won't even say think. I know for a fact I would not be as far as I am today without that because their opinion and their support in what I'm doing has been what pushed me to be open enough to say the things I I say and feel the things I feel openly. Because some of the stuff I say is very vulgar. Definitely. And to me, it's not even because it's just like some people will take it as, oh, you know, let's say rap music, for example. We got Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Megan Thee Stallion, and you hear the things that they say, and you're like, yo... But a lot of times when I say it, it's like, this is erotic poetry. This really is just what came out this day. And I have things that are very deep 
And it's like, yo, I probably shouldn't say this. This is about my family. I wonder how my dad will feel. I wonder how my mom will feel. But they all, we support. Ain't no lying. And like, your brain don't shut off. My brain does not shut off ever. My brain is going right now. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Literally. Shout out to all your 15,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to y'all for real. <laughs> so, so, well, this, this is kind of a question that, because you, you, you said you had your family just backing you up. Because we were, we were going to ask you, like, what kind of sacrifices have you had to make for that? To me, to me the term sacrifice, okay. The term sacrifice to me is very personal. Okay. So a lot of the sacrifices that I had to make were things that probably didn't really affect other people. But for me, my dad has told me several times, especially when I was in college, my dad came to came out to Vegas. I went to college in Vegas. My dad came out to Vegas and moved to Vegas to be with me in college. And he would always tell me, we'd sit in the car, we'd chat, and he'd always tell me, your biggest sacrifice is yourself. So if it's not, if if you don't feel like this is something that, you know, is either detrimental to your health, wealth, or your success, then it's probably not really a sacrifice. And so it, it would be things like, let's say, me choosing to not do track anymore. That was one of the biggest sacrifices because to me that was something that I was very passionate about. But literally... I'd say weeks after I was like, I told my coach, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Here, here go your money. I'm good. Two weeks later, I had 10,000 followers on Instagram, literally from like 1,000 to 10,000 followers on Instagram because I was like, okay, I'm about to drop this poem. You had to give up something. Literally, I'm about to drop this poem. And although all my exes like, why are you in your feelings? You dropping all this, all these poems. Da, 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 literally happy. And I was like emotional about that. Like, what do you mean? I like doing this. Mm -hmm. Literally, my stuff blew up. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing something right. But that was the sacrifice I had to make, and I had to trust that. Like, okay. Did you have to spend a lot of alone time? Like, how does how, how did that look? My whole time in college, I was alone. I'd say that. Like, despite, like, having teammates and, and friends and being in a relationship and having my dad there, I was alone. I'm the type of person who would sit in, in my room by myself and just stare at the walls and think. Did that build you? Do you feel like that built you? It... It built a lot of character, but at the same time, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. <laughs> my two siblings that are right above me, mm -hmm. they low-key used to be on me. So a lot of times I would want to play with them, and then they'll be mean, and so i just be like, man, I'm not even on that. I'm about to go by myself. So it was something that I was very used to doing, but in college and not being able to go to the next room with my mom or still be able to be like, okay, I'm ready to play with y'all now or I'm ready to come chat with y'all, it definitely taught me a lot about who I am. Definitely. Well, well, the the whole creativity part of it. I mean, how how are you about showing that to the world? Because it's your thoughts, your mind. Like, mm -hmm. and you know, people get critical, yeah. especially. It's, and it's really hard. I feel like nowadays for people to share their creativity because mm -hmm. people are, are all Judgmental. over the Yeah, and they're all over like, hey, like that's stupid, or we don't like that, or we don't like that. Yeah. You know, how did how did you? Like, first of all, how was the response? But how hard was it to just share that? Um, so it, it comes and goes. So sometimes when I first started, I was just like, okay, whatever, this is, this is what I'm writing. This is what I'm sharing. And then I started getting responses from, you know, people who I was dealing with or friends and it's like, yo, you emotional. Why you, why you putting that on there? And it made me think, but at the same time, it was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, who are you? And so I literally just put like a, a veil up. And it's like, yo, it, it don't even matter what you have to say, like, at all. Because let's see what you're doing, literally. Like, what are you doing with your life? Right. And so it was just like, if this is how you feel, Ayana, <laughs> then that's okay. And being okay with that and understanding that, you know, people are here to judge, but that's more than likely a reflection of who they are rather than who you are. Because what you're saying is genuinely who you are. And when someone else is coming with, oh, well, the negativity is like, yo, you really dealing with that in your life? I'm sorry. That, that's straight howler mentality. Though. Definitely. 100%. To cut it all off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because even us will ruin what we're doing. You know, we're going to we know we're going to have people like, hey, that's that's whack. That's mm -hmm. whatever. We don't we, we don't care, though. Right. We don't, exactly. we don't care what nobody thinks. Yeah. I mean, you don't like it. Don't don't listen. Exactly. It's really that simple for us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you're going to have people that want to listen. You're going to have because everybody talks about the same stuff. Yeah. And we're tired of hearing about it, too. Right. So it's like, we you know, we're going to put this out there mm -hmm. because I feel like every every 
person is a howler in some way. I mean, you have to you have to start putting the women out there and not just bashing them all the time. Mm-hmm. And your creativity, I feel like, is a big part of you. Yeah. And that's a that's a hard thing to put out to the world without without criticism just coming back. Yeah. You know? When I say when I say it comes and goes, because I know I said that, but I didn't go further into that. I have an ex who a lot of my poetry was about for a long time. And I remember one time he was like, yo, can you stop writing poetry about me? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And for a long period, I want to say for like two years, it was just like I wasn't I was uncomfortable sharing poetry because I knew it was about him and I knew how it would affect him. And I didn't want to cross that that boundary that he asked me to cross to it. respect, you know. <laughs> but exactly, <laughs> like, like now it's you like, hurt me. I'm gonna make money right? off you now. Right. No, yeah. literally, literally. And I told him that, like, yeah, I, I'll give you something, but you know, you should have never did it. Right. But it was also for me because I still was um, trying to figure out what was going on there. It was also like I do want to respect what you have going on, so it it put a block up for me to be able to share a lot of, of things that I was feeling. And then also because it was very gruesome, what not like gruesome in like physically, and there was no domestic violence, anything like that, but just like feelings and being hurt and being depressed. It was like, I don't want people to look at you in that light, so I'm not going to share it. But your poetry did help you get through that. Yeah, I'm always writing. It's always going to get written. Y'all saw the notes. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all saw scroll, scroll, scroll. It's yeah. always going to get written. But when it comes to sharing and, and exposing that behavior or those emotions, it was just like, I respect you enough not to do that. I'll, I'll share something else. Question. Did you have to deal with a lot of criticism or in, in, in your life any time growing up? No. That's good. No. Very supportive people around. Yeah, that, that, you know that sounds great <clears throat> for her to have that. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't have that. A lot right. of people don't get that. Yeah, no. So it just makes you probably push further because you got that support system. Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize what people had to go through in their lives growing up until I got to college, and I was like, "Yo, we're different. Yeah. We grew up different." That's good. Yeah, but That's... it's yeah, it's it's like it's a great thing that you had that. Though, mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of people don't have that. No. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people who play sports are you not gonna make it because you know there's only yeah. a certain amount of people in the world that you know that makes it in an NBA mm-hmm. that makes it in the NFL that makes mm-hmm. it in baseball. Then they say you know in your field you know music that's yeah. a big field too. Yeah. You know so it's good that you you had a lot of supporters that yeah. were supporting you in that huge arena. Right. But even outside of like athleticism or creativity, character wise. I was able to see that a lot of people didn't really weren't really able to develop their characteristics and who they really were and really be themselves because of how they grew up right. or the people that they had around them. Like I said, I had six people older than me. And with that being said, it was really just like, yo, be you. And I was able to, I got stay weird tatted on my legs and everybody around me be like, yo, you're weird. <laughs> but I was able to understand that at a very young age and not really care what anybody had to say about it. And, and being me. weird is just different. Exactly. You know? Well, your yeah. parents had a lot to do with that. Then, mm-hmm. right? they, they, they wanted to make sure that you guys had your own character, your own person. Yeah. And do your thing that you love. Right. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something. So... The, tell us about the wisdom that you've learned within your craft, doing your craft. Because even your poem that you just spoke of right now, you had a lot of wisdom in that, uh-huh. that people are not going to understand. Like, the bads are not going to understand a lot of stuff that you said in there. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about that. I mean, pulling the rabbit out of the hat, the ooh, the ah, and then it means nothing. Yeah. It's just tricks. Yeah. It's just show. Well, that's not the magic. Yeah, it's That's not. not where the magic at at all. <laughs> um. A lot of the wisdom in what I speak comes from my parents, straight up. My parents uh, very much asked us, how do you feel? Very often. Well, how does that make you feel? I would cry. Mom, Mom, they being mean. Okay, how does that make you feel? Why are you doing that if, if it's making you uncomfortable? And so at a very young age, I was able to, one, analyze my feelings and to make decisions as to where do I want to do this or not. And so a lot of the things that I speak about are based on my feelings and whether or not I want to do this. Wow. Yeah. So parents, it's important to pay attention to your children. Allow them to have a voice. Allow to uh, allow yourself to deal with their emotions. 
because you're going to miss the creativity that they have if you don't allow them to be them and talk to them and allow them to express their emotions, deal with their emotions, and let them be free. Mm-hmm. That's crazy because um, I have kids, and, and thinking about what you just said, like I feel like I, I'm always trying to learn to be a better dad, better, yeah. better father, a better um, example. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel like even just you saying that, I feel like, dang, I want to ask my kids more. Yeah. Like, how does that make you feel? As a kid, you know? I hated it because it's like, I don't know how I feel. Like, you <laughs> need to tell them stop being mean or you need to tell them to play with me. But as I got older, I realized this isn't y'all first go around as a parent. Mm-hmm. So you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Let's start there. Right. I'm number seven. You guys you guys probably didn't ask the first three how they felt as much, but I'm glad I'm number seven. Yeah. <laughs> and how do I feel? And I see a lot of people now, like, I don't have kids. And I see a lot of parents now, and I'm like, you need to ask your kids how they feel. Even if they don't know, ask them how they feel because they're going to get older and they're not going to know how they feel. They're not even going to know what it means to feel because – all they know is what you said and how you told them they should feel or how it's supposed to be. No, let them figure it out. And that's good because now we can see your expressions. We can right. see your emotions. Development. Development from how Honestly, they the happiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the happiness. Right. Because mm-hmm. nobody's like, shutting you down yeah. and, and making you feel like, you know, that you, 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 like a lot of parents growing up, you don't know how you feel. Mm-hmm. They would tell you that. Yeah. You know, and they would make make it make sure that they downplay you or belittle you as a child, you know, not bringing out that, you know, creativity or that emotion to see, you know, so you can acknowledge how, how what that emotion is also. Yeah. Well, it brings light in you. You can see right. a difference from you and other people you talk to. Exactly. You have light. You know what I mean? It's not like you have some darkness in you that something happened in your childhood. You're right. happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I tell, when I got to college, that's what I used to tell everybody. Because, like I said, that's when I first realized, like, yo, what's going on in the world? <laughs> I used to tell people all the time, y'all parents didn't ask y'all how it feels, and it shows. You right. can see it. 100%. You can literally see it in people. Like, just the way that they deal with their emotions or they deal with situations, it's like, oh, you don't know what's going on with you. Right. So we got to get to the fit part. Mm-hmm. Because this is poetic fit. Yeah. So you're a tra- you're you did, you ran track. You did uh-huh. track, right? And you you're, you're you're he's always saying he sees you at the gym. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. Um, like I said, fitness has always been a huge part of my life. I literally no cap. You know that's what the kids say nowadays. Although I'm <laughs> low key a kid. <laughs> uh, All good. <laughs> I literally was doing one hand push ups at five. I literally was doing pull ups. Seven. Um, it's always been a part of my life. My dad has always been very into fitness. So that that just like writing has just that's something that I don't know me without. So how's imp- how, how important it is for your mental? It's very important. The first time I ever had a therapist. I didn't know what was going on in my life. Was I literally called crying. She wasn't taking appointments, but I looked at her bio, and I was like, yo, I need to talk to you. I called crying, like, yo, I need to talk. She called me 30 minutes later, yeah, I'll take you. And when I started talking to her, it was a couple weeks, and she was like, hey, how do you? Go, what's going on? How do you feel? And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel depressed, pretty much. And she's like, okay, well, what do you like to do? And I was like, I like to write. I like to work out. I like to be in the sun. Those three things, my top three things to this day. And she was like, okay, well, when was the last time you wrote? I don't know. When was the last time you've been to the gym? I don't know. When was the last time you went outside? I don't know. Okay, for the next week, because we, we visited in weeks. For the next week, write something every day, go to the gym every day, go outside every day. If that's what you like to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, cool. I came back a week later. Me, literally, like, girl, I don't need to come back. I'm oh, good. And doing she, what you like to exactly. do. Exactly. And like, she was like, I did my job too good. <laughs> it was that simple. And, I t- and that was the main thing that I took from her. And when I tell you, I was done with therapy after that because it was just like a mental blockage. Like, I didn't know what to do. But ever since then, I've literally been in the gym. And every time I feel depressed or every time I feel like I'm just sinking back into some type of mood, I'm going to the gym. And I'm going to release some energy. I'm going to lift some weights. I'm going to run. I'm going to write. And I'm going to go in the sun. And it's literally who I am to the core. Do you ever deal with fear in your life? Like anything that's fearful? No. No. The only thing I fear is me. And I'm cool. So I'm not really that scary. (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel about? What do you fear about yourself? Um, So it's I won't say it's necessarily a fear. But when I say I fear me, I feel fair because I know how great I am. And I fear that if I don't 
uphold or withstand who I know I am, I will never see that potential or I'll never see who I see. Like when I say I have to feel it and I have to see it, I already saw myself being the greatest person in the world. When I say the greatest person, the greatest me, no one can be me. I was put here to be me. So I fear being in this body, being in this vessel and not living up to who, I, who I'm here to be. That's almost kind of like my fear, you know, um, as you stated that at the end, not being who you want, who you supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I fear time, mm-hmm. you know, because I know time doesn't wait for no man mm-hmm. or woman, you know, and we're only here for a short time. Right. And I want to accomplish everything that's in my heart, my goals, my mind before I leave this earth. Right. So I'm like, you know. What? How much time do I really have? I know I'm not supposed to be thinking that way, but that's my fear because I have children. You mm-hmm. know, that's my fear because, you know, I want to be able to accomplish the things that I've been dreaming or been hoping for. I, I have faith to accomplish. Right. So I'm like, ooh, I got to get on the ball. Right. I got to stay on the ball. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because every day, every moment, every minute you know, people have wasted time f- for years. Mm-hmm. You know, they let time go by and they say, oh, I got time, I got time, but tomorrow's not promised. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of our, our, our things that we talk about as a howler is, is to be courageous. And, and in order to be courageous, you have to have fear. So you got to overcome that fear mm-hmm. to be courageous. So that's, I mean, I feel like you're, you're doing that anyways. Definitely. With your life, you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like it's okay to have fear because that pushes you anyways. I mean, you, ha- you, if you have to have fear yeah. to be courageous. Yeah. You have to. It's not, sa- it's not stating that you're a weak person when you right. have fear. Yeah. You know, it's like mine's is time. You know, I'm, mine is not like I'm weak because I don't know how long that I'm going to be here. It's just I have to get the job done. You know, I can't be wasting time. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the the baddest dudes, the baddest fighters in the world have fear when they walk into the cage. Right. Everybody has fear. Right. You know, it ain't it ain't weak having fear at all. No. So, I mean, yeah, you don't have to ever look at it like that. And what I was thinking, too, when you were saying, like, nobody can be you, I was really getting adept in that because I was, I was, I was listening to something, and they were talking about how nobody in the world has the same fingerprint. Right. Nobody. Nobody in the world. And I was kind of tripping out on that, right? Like, like wow. So, because it, it says that God has a purpose for every single person. Like, every man and every woman on earth has a purpose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that purpose is directly designed for you when nobody has the same fingerprint right. in the world. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. I never even knew that for, like, the longest time. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, there will never be another you. There will never they be will another never. one with the same fingerprint as you. I mean, with the billions of people in the world that have been in this world, no one's got the same fingerprint. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Question. So, what is your what did you what do you feel like your purpose is here on Earth? Since you say you you're so prophetic, you know, and um, you have connection to energy, and yeah. you're able to feel different things, and you know, weed mm-hmm. out different things. Yeah. Do you know? Do you? Um, have... The way that I see purpose, that I don't necessarily believe it's just one thing i feel like my purpose with everyone is very different although it could be you know visually or impactually the same like i impacted so many people for example in the track world or in writing um being impactful yeah i'm very i I know for a fact that i'm to be an impact but you you can also be an impact in a negative way so understanding who you are and really um striving to be the best version of myself i feel like that is really my purpose and that could be a lot of people's purpose but for me if i'm going backwards i'm literally not living in my purpose did you hear that y'all she says her purpose is to be the best version of herself that's great that's great that is um i feel like everybody should strive to be the best versions of themselves mm -hmm. like i mean I, i think that's a great thing to say yeah. And not a copycat. Yeah. You know, or try to be like, someone no, else. No, it can be me. <laughs> he stated we all got different yeah. fingerprints. Yeah. I feel like we complicate. Like, a lot of times when you hear someone say, yo, what's your purpose? People want to pull these elaborate things out. And it's like, you know, be you. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to be, if I'm sitting here and I'm trying to be, let's say, Eric Ballinger, because he's a writer. I'm going to fail. Every day I'm going to fail. I have not lived his experiences. I have not 
been in his mind. I have not had his parents. I'm going to fail every day that I live trying to live his purpose. And if I make that my purpose, I'm never going to I'm never going to uh, excel there. But if I wake up every day and I'm like, OK, Anna, this is what we love. This is what we see. This is what we feel. This is who we want to be. And I go after that every day. I'm living in my purpose every day faithfully. That's what's wow. up. Yeah, it sounds like you are. When you put like your, I mean, your fitness and everything that you're doing, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're living your purpose. Yeah. yeah I, I don't even know how old you are, but it sounds like you're like <laughs> way above, <laughs> way above your age. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like wow. You don't, yeah. you don't hear a lot of people talk like that at all. Period. Mm-hmm. Let alone people that are young. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. You don't see that. So, do you have? Can you tell us about any mentors you have in your life, or you know, that's come and gone? Uh-huh. Um. My mom's one of my mentors every day. Like, every day, if I even think about my mom, I get emotional just because I've seen her do so much. And I've seen her raise a family of nine and do that very, very, very well. She wasn't bashing. No. 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 What? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an insult. (laughs) So, of course No, right. No. Um, My dad as well. Um, My dad and a lot of, like I said, um, my dad had a lot to do with me being very athletic. Um, a lot of my genes come from him, although my mom has great genes. My grandma on my mom's side is 95. Wow. Like, longevity. we have great genes. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom is different. It's different because a lot of times, as a as a girl, you have a different relationship with your mom. You get to a point where you just like, you bothering me. Like <laughs> What yo. has she told you that has impacted your life that you remember that is still stuck to you to this day? How do you feel? How do you feel? How does that make you feel? She would literally look at me like... She was the main one, though, that, that said that then? Yes. Wow. And my dad would say, you know how you feel? <laughs> <laughs> but that, how does that make you feel? To this day, if I'm going through something and I have a block, Ayana, how does that make you feel? How are you feeling? I feel like that's so That's huge. Big. That's huge. It gives you literally the power to do anything when you understand how you feel. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't know how I'm feeling, if I came in here and I didn't know how I was feeling, I, I'll be all over the place. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I understand. I'm feeling good. I'm healthy. I'm okay. Even though some things may have happened earlier today, that doesn't really affect how I feel. It affected my mood. But it doesn't really affect how I genuinely feel. I feel great. And that was one thing that my mom really made clear to me. Because like I said, I would want to play with my brothers and sisters and they being mean. It's not that I hate my brothers and sisters, and I understood that because how do we feel? Do you feel like you hate them? No, I don't. I feel like I'm upset with them. Okay, well, go off of that. You're upset, so go take some time for yourself. Go take some time to be alone, and it really helps you analyze the bigger picture rather than the right now. Definitely. So that is something I'm going to take with me forever. That's something that I try to instill in other people all the time. Like, how do you feel? Right. So being, being in tune to how you feel is actually helping you mentally uh, deal with people mm-hmm. um, creativity creativity is helping you deal with you know um, your workplace yeah you know it's helping you deal with sleep mm-hmm. you know because you have to tell yourself this is how I feel and why I feel this way now you're able to uh, uh, attack or to uh, approach how you feel right not just I don't know how I feel you know, I don't know why I feel this way. You know, it's it's like you, people that feel like, if people that don't know how they feel are more uh, scared in life. They don't get anything accomplished, you know, because they're going through mentally of, I don't know, why am I feeling this way? So they get on drugs, they get on alcohol, they, you know, substance abuse because they don't know how they feel. Right. And they don't know how to... Uh, approach how they're feeling or explain how they're feeling so they drown into substance abuse because they don't know how to accept it. They don't know what's going on in their life. Right. Yeah, it's the easiest cover-up. It's an easy cover-up. Mm-hmm. So, John, what's your next move? What's your next move? What What, what is something you want to accomplish that you're like, this is my next move? Like, even if it takes years. I'm about like, to be an actor. You're about to be an actor. Nice. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Co- so I've always said, I've always said it jokingly. Like, oh, I want to act. People always, do you act? And I always wanted to be a voice actor, but I actually saw it. And like I said, if I don't see her, I don't feel it. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna act. I don't know when. 
<laughs> but I'm excited. Like, okay. Shout out to all the producers. Uh, right. <laughs> um, what do you mean when you said you saw it? Like you saw. You know that's what Raven when she's like. Yeah. She you saw it. I saw it. I literally saw it. <laughs> like when I my first time. So trap poetry jam. I think it was trap poetry jam. I don't know. It could be later on in my life. It's deja vu pretty much. But when I was in college. Like, my first year, before I was even really writing, I saw myself on stage. I didn't know what I was doing, but I saw myself on stage. And I'm like, okay. And then later down the line, years later, it was like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, but I'm also a dreamer, a very vivid dreamer. So I'll see things in my dreams. Like, last night, my friend texted me, talking, and he texted me saying, my phone's uh, on 2% and I have to pee. And I, literally, when I woke up, we were texting, and then he texted me, my phone's on 2%, I have to pee. And I was like, yo, I saw that last night. I can show y'all in my phone right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, you show, you told me that in a dream last night. And I'm like, I really be hopping realities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had some g- other girl tell me that, too. Right. That's just crazy, because uh, that's the second person that told me that. Yeah. That they actually see, like, almost the exact same thing that happened. Yeah. That, that something was going to happen. Yeah. A crazy. lot of times, I don't know who it is or, like what it is but i know for a fact like it's not something that i have to question at all it's like oh yeah okay so we got to come to you to know how far we're going to get in life you know we're going to start coming to you like how right. far is this podcast going to go right you know? right, right. <laughs> you know if it, if it's for me i guess <laughs> yeah no but um i wanted to see if you can uh if you can do another poem yeah yeah yeah, yeah we got to yeah. close this with another poem for the most part give um, us all of them yeah situations so basically being here today will spark my creativity to be able to i'll probably go write a poem about how's a bass bass how's a bass <laughs> i love that all right yeah. <laughs> it's the look i love that um but yeah like so i studied sociology in college and everyone was like why are you studying sociology you want to go into social work and i was like nah i want to write mm-hmm. and a lot of people couldn't understand it but to me my mom always says, you were my most observant and quiet child. And she said she would always look at me like, what is this little girl thinking? She'd just be staring at people. Like, what is going on? She'd be saying nothing. She'd be staring. And for me, that sparks my creativity, visualizing what's going on or scenarios. And I have a friend who always tell me, like, you always say, yo, this they story. So I'll put stories on people. I'll see what people are doing. I'm like, okay, this is what's going on in their lives. And that sparks my creativity because it's like, what's really going on? And it helps me analyze people or read into situations, even if I'm not even supposed to be reading into it. But I'm going to have a spark of creativity based off of what I'm seeing or what I'm feeling. Or I'll sit there and I'll just be like, hmm, you see me? You see me do it often. Often. Or I'm just staring and you're like, yo, what is she zoning out? What is she thinking about? Right. My creativity is flowing. In my head, I'm literally bars laughing everything but it's all coming together in this melting pot of things and it's just like her creativity is sparked like crazy but also the sun and trees i'm one of those people you're like you a tree hugger yes (laughs) definitely if i'm near a tree or if i'm in the sun it's gonna flow (laughs) it is going to flow like crazy so those are my main things that spark my creativity just situations hearing about people's feelings or people's emotions and i'm like hmm, i wonder what i would do in that situation or i wonder how that would make me feel you know and, and that's crazy because uh, we've been talking about that like i feel like i feel like we just since we've been doing this too our creativity our creative spark has been just hitting mm-hmm. like constant it's the point where it's a little overwhelming sometimes because right. you're like wait a minute like, i need to start <laughs> write it down my whole thing is full of notes too yeah like crazy just all over the place yeah but it's the same thing like the creative spark i mean that's a that's a big deal because that's where literally everything comes from uh-huh. and when you look around in this world things are built they were built off of a spark at some point yeah you know what i mean so it, it doesn't mean that you can't you cannot start a business. You can't do certain things mm-hmm. because everybody did that at some point. Right. You know, so you can always have that creative spark in anything you do. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Just putting your spin on it. Yeah. So, I know you uh, motivate a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And you, and I'm sure you're mentoring somebody with that creative mind that you have. Mm-hmm. How does it, how is, uh, how do people lean on your mentorship, even in fitness or and being creative to somebody who wants to like 
do what you do, what kind of advice would you give them? The biggest advice that I try to give people is don't go hard. Like, a lot of people think, oh, well, say for the gym, for example. A lot of people come to the gym first day, oh, I'm going to lift 100 pounds, girls. I'm going to lift 100 pounds and I'm going to squat 120 and I'm going to go crazy. And I tell people, me being someone who has worked out my whole life, when I went back to the gym, I went in there and ran for 10 minutes and left. The next day I went in there, ran for 10 minutes and probably did a couple squats and left. Because I'm not necessarily trying to force myself to get it done today. I'm trying to force myself into this habit. And that's going to take time. So if I'm showing up for myself every day, that's really what you need to look at. Because you'll see a lot of people, oh, yeah, I went to the gym and I went crazy. Two weeks go by and you didn't go back to the gym. But you went crazy that one day and you wanted everybody to know that. Congratulations. Kudos to you. (laughs) Right? You know? But I'm going to look at the person who went every day and did something. Even if they didn't want it, to, even if they didn't want to, they showed up and they did something. Definitely. So don't overload yourself with things. And it's you have all these great things that you're like, oh, this is what I want to do. Beautiful. I love that. But you don't necessarily have it right now. So if you can build up to the point where you want to be to where now you're making this habit a consistent thing and it's like you're this is really who you're becoming rather than oh I want you guys to see that this is who I am make it about yourself and take time every day every day give yourself a little bit more I like that I like that a lot because people just don't do that they don't just go every day mm-hmm. show up every day and they will go hard and then that's it I'm done for yeah that should hurt. and you're gonna be done <laughs> for a while because what are you doing yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and I, as you are a fitness trainer and I've seen you train in multiple people's in the gym you know, you you and I know that those a lot of people show up in January, mm-hmm. their New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And then by the end of February or even the end of January, they disappear. Right. You know, so marathon yeah. is important. Exactly. Take your time with it. And what would you tell people that are in poetry? What would you tell them? How do you feel? <laughs> How do you feel? Like that's your that's your quote. That's your uh, right. that's your slogan. Yeah, How my, do you actually, feel? when I first no, started poetry, how do you feel? my slogan was "Be patient, be consistent." Uh-huh. But that was before I really knew a, a lot more about who I am. Like, let's say that was what five five to seven years ago, and it was really just for me personally. Like, be patient, be consistent, because you already know how you feel. You already know what you're doing. Be patient. Be consistent. Be patient. And I literally had to tell myself that over and over again. But for other people who don't necessarily already have that instilled in them, how do you feel? Do you know? Especially with writing. A lot of people say, oh, just jot down something every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, you got to be in your feelings when you're creative about something about that, about poetry and music. Like, you got, that's that's how you get in that. Yeah. Even even if you're flowing about gangster rap, Mm -hmm. you're still in your feelings, right? About that, you know? Because, I mean, I feel like for men, a lot of the times, like when we do things, if we're not being creative, writing, things like that, but I'm saying if we're being real, like, we don't like to go off our feelings because we go off of what we need to do, Yeah, you know? And I feel like it's a little bit different with men than it is with women. Like, I feel like women can be in their feelings, but men just can't. Men are judged. They can. I will never say they can't. Yeah, but, but you're definitely alone. judged. <laughs> you got to do that alone. You're definitely <laughs> judged. <laughs> All right, we got to hit that poem. Let's hit that poem. That what? It's my birthday. Happy birthday, me. What? Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. It's not really my birthday. Let's start with that. Uh, 8-11. Uh, <laughs> so I celebrate myself every day. Yeah, 8-11. Dang. That's right. right. Self-love is important. You're a Leo. Yeah, big Leo. <laughs> <laughs> He's all looking at you like, oh. Right. It, it makes sense. It checks out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Right. This poem. What if you knew your capability and understood that in order to be great, you would have to give this much of your energy, this much in humility, but both of them consistently. You'd have to cut some people off, paths start to divide. You'd have to learn to ask for help and how to swallow your pride. It takes a sacrifice. Life and death, the situation. You got to give your all before you die in inspiration, every fiber in your bones. 
believing in yourself before you ever crack the code. <laughs> was it that short for real? That was still great, though. That was great still, though. Okay. I mean... If you want to do it again, that's fine. <laughs> I know. I like him. Let's do this one. I'll actually read this one because I never memorized this. I just wrote this down because I was feeling it. Okay. So this one is called I Am. I am a soul before the flesh speaks. I walk in spirit to direct me, discerning to protect me, but I'm a soul before this flesh speaks. Entirely an entity, a spiritual identity. I talk to Yahweh every day. I speak Ashe to seal my prey. I am a soul before this flesh speaks. A piece of the great I am. There is power in my command. I am. I am godlike. I am supreme, interstellar in my being. I am the future and between. I am a soul before this flesh speaks. The epitome of heaven. The pastor and the reverend, alive and iridescent, I am. Aware of who I am, I am. Prayer with a hint of magic. Human only in this passage, I am. A soul before this flesh speaks. And my chakras are aligned. I am everything combined. I am divine. I am. House of a pass. House of a pass. Poetic fit. Poetic fit. House of a pass. Yeah.